The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. My name is Shane Whalen, and I'm the pastor of student families here at Rivermont. And I would like to welcome each of you to worship uh, this morning. Uh, if you are a guest, uh, please take time to visit our welcome table, uh, which is located in the back of the sanctuary. Also, we ask that you would please take time this afternoon uh, to look over all the announcements uh, in the bulletin. Uh, including information about our new uh, Rivermont EPC app. And this app is for your phone or tablet. Uh, and on that app, you'll be able to find all sorts of information and help you connect uh, with one another and be involved in this particular body of Christ. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to invite you this morning to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 13 to the end of the chapter, uh, that would be verse 25, and focusing our attention uh, on verses 22 through 25. Now, as you're turning to that portion of scripture, I would like to again encourage you to download our church app. I know you've heard this a few times, but uh, there are a lot of different features on there that I think would be very helpful. One uh, is uh, each week there is a sermon, uh, or preparing for the Lord's Day rather, uh, article that's written that gives you scripture verses that you can read and meditate upon, even a uh, usually uh, somewhere to go in the Westminster Confession of Faith that covers uh, the area that we'll be covering in the sermon as well. And then uh, following the sermon, there's usually uh, a sermon discussion guide. And you can uh, look at that sermon discussion guide and it gives you some questions to go deeper with the sermon afterwards. And it's all there on your app. Uh, so I really encourage you to, to download that and to use that to, to help... Um, you and your continued growth and knowledge of God's word and interaction with the, uh, with the sermon each week. So uh, now we come to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 13. As you see there, there is the heading, it called to be holy. And we are continuing our, this theme that Peter is bringing out of that all of us as those who have been called out from death into life are called to be holy. And in verses 22 and through 25, we'll see this morning the mark of holiness. So hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 
He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us go to him now in prayer. Blessed you are, Lord, and great God, everlasting sovereign, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. O God, whom we long to know, O burning fire within our souls, grant us your Holy Spirit now, that in hearing your word we might know your presence, that in following your ways we might live in your light. We pray this through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How are we to measure growth in holiness? Selecting the proper growth metric for spiritual goals can be rather difficult. I mean, how do you quantify and measure and evaluate something like spiritual development? Now, in our family, as I'm sure many of you do as well, we have a wall on which we mark the changing heights of our children. It began when we were in South Carolina, and when we moved, we copied all the heights down on a piece of paper so that when we got here to Virginia, we could put those heights on the wall so that each year when a birthday comes, we can stand the birthday girl or boy up against the measuring wall and see how much they've grown that year. It's fun to see that you've made progress. It's fun to see that you are going forward, that you are going from a toddler to a big kid to a teenager and eventually a full-grown adult. And yet, there is no corresponding wall on which we mark our spiritual growth. We can't just stand our heart up against the measuring wall and say, look, you've grown three inches in holiness this year. So... How do we measure growth in the church and in our own lives? For the church, do we measure our success by the number of people who attend an event? So often we do. I'm sure you've heard a conversation like this. Well, how did your Sunday school class go? Great, we had 25 people there. Like that's a measure of success. Do we measure growth by increases in annual budget? Do we look to the number of conversions, baptisms, mission trips, our small groups? Is success in the church measured by the popularity of the church in the community? And individually, do you measure your spiritual growth by the number of hours you spend in prayer, the number of chapters you have read in the Bible? Do you use your hours serving in the church or the number of days you have fasted as the ruler by which you measure your growth? 
Do you look to such things as theological depth or religious experiences to say, you know, I'm really growing because I know more or I felt more. Now, I don't want to discount the importance of these things or the health that they may indicate. Nevertheless, they all have the potential to become what we call in the what people call in the business world vanity metrics. That is numbers that look and sound impressive but don't actually correlate back to your true purpose. You might create a lot of buzz and likes on Facebook, but if that interest doesn't translate into sales, it's not a good measure of success. It's just about vanity. It's just about looking good. And vanity metrics create this false sense of growth that can lead to long-term problems. In our passage for this morning, Peter is continuing to teach the church the importance of growth in holiness. As we saw a few weeks ago, holiness is the family resemblance that we are called to display. We are to be holy for our Heavenly Father is holy. Last week, we saw that the hope that we have for growing in holiness is not our own personal efforts and sacrifice, but rather our hope for holiness is the blood of Christ alone. And today, what we will see is that true growth in holiness is not marked by outward numbers that can be quantified, but rather by the transformation of the heart through faith in God's Word. And the result of this transformation will be seen, will be marked, will be shown in a love for God's people. What we will see this morning is that the growth that we need, growth and holiness, occurs when the truth of the gospel so changes your heart that you grow in love. So first, we see in our text that the mark of holiness is obedience to the truth of God's Word. Look at your text again, starting in verse 22 says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The first mark of holiness that we see in our text is obedience to the truth of God's word. Those who would take on the family resemblance of holiness must begin with this foundation. Faith in God's Word that leads to obedience to God's Word. We see in verse 23 that our new birth into the family of God begins with the power of the imperishable Word of God. This is how God has ordained that His people come into the family. Through the outward call of the Gospel. As Peter, or yes, as Paul says in Romans chapter 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Peter describes this word as an imperishable seed. And it is by this seed that new eternal life is born in the hearts of God's people. We can't go anywhere in holiness if we don't begin here. If you desire to be holy, then you must begin with faith in God's imperishable Word. 
you must begin with faith in the gospel message. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became man, lived a perfect life of holiness, and then died the cursed death of the cross on the behalf of His church. So that we might be accounted as holy because of His holiness. That we might be forgiven of our sin because of His punishment. You see, you must believe that God raised Him from the dead and by His resurrection life, you now have a life that will never fade. Holiness will never become a reality apart from faith in the truth of the Gospel. Offer all the prayers you desire. Perform all the acts of service you can muster. Be kind and forgiving and self-sacrificing. But true holiness will never occur until you are born again through the living and abiding Word of God. Until you obey the call of Jesus who says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Obedience to the truth begins with obedience to believe the gospel message. But this new birth does not only begin with obedience, but it continues in a life of obedience to the commands of God. The prophet Jeremiah describes this as he explains God's purpose for the new birth. It says, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It doesn't sound real flashy and it might not create a huge buzz in the community. But the simple truth is holiness is marked by obedience to God's word. The measuring wall that we have for holiness is not the ever-changing opinions of man, what man says is the right thing to do, but rather the unchanging, imperishable Word of God. For the grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. Holiness is marked by obedience. But isn't there a problem here? Right? Weren't the Pharisees real good at obedience? Aren't there religious folks out there who outwardly obey all of God's rules seemingly, but know nothing of forgiveness and grace? Didn't Paul himself say, for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight? And of course, we must not allow ourselves to trust in our works. We must never place one ounce of faith for our salvation in our personal obedience, but trust wholly in the obedience of Christ on our behalf. And yet, there is a major difference between outward legalistic obedience, which which we must avoid, and true holiness, which God calls us to, which issues forth from the heart. For the mark of holiness that we see in our text is purity of heart. Again, look at verses 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly 
from a pure heart since you have been born again. You see, outward obedience is a false measure of holiness. Because obedience, obedience that marks holiness, comes from a heart that has been purified. A heart that has been born anew by the Word of God. We must be ever watchful of an outward obedience that comes from a desire to be seen and not from a soul that has been born again by the Spirit of God. For the sin of the Pharisees was not excessive holiness, but rather the hypocrisy of outward obedience only. And we can get caught in this trap as well. Doing the right thing because it is what is expected and what is honored among men and not because it is what glorifies God. Outward obedience might seem like growth, but it is cancerous growth. It is not true holiness. You see, we don't want to be those that are all talk and no substance. For we cannot mark growth by the outward trappings, believing that advertising our holiness before the world will translate into actual holiness. Tithing our mint and dill and cumin, but neglecting justice and the love of God. When I was young, I lived in the country of Belgium for a while. And there, there was a product that I called boxed milk. It was milk that was ultra-pasteurized so you could store it at room temperature for months, maybe even years, I don't know. And I was having nothing to do with this nightmare of a drink. And my parents thought my objection to the taste of the milk was just merely mental. They thought it was just foreign to me, so I didn't want to drink it. So while I was not looking, they decided that they would play a little trick on me to prove that it was just all in my mind. And they poured the box milk into a carton of regular milk, believing that the outward carton would change my perception of what was actually there. Well, when I drank it, what do you think happened? I said, yuck, there's something wrong with our milk. It tastes like that box milk stuff. (laughs) You see, you can't disguise disgusting milk. Just like you can't hide behind holy actions to cover up the fact that you have a heart of stone. The outward cup can't just be washed believing that the inner cup will therefore be cleansed. We can be guilty of presenting to the world a picture of being together and being stable when in reality we are struggling even to get out of bed in the morning. We can dress up our broken lives with the trappings of spiritual health when we are so far from God we don't know if we will ever know His presence again. We have learned and we know the language and the motions of what we are supposed to look like to the world so the world will say, yes, that person is holy. Yes, that person has a relationship with the Lord. But until the living and abiding Word of God changes your heart, there will be no true growth in holiness. May it never be said of us, this people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me. 
For the true mark of holiness is obedience. But it is obedience that issues forth from a pure heart. A heart that has been born again by the living and abiding Word of God. A heart that by God's grace has been born again. Now often we think of holy people in a way like a man or a woman who has cloistered themselves away from the rest of the world. A monk in solitude reading his Bible in a high mountain retreat or a holy woman chanting prayers in an empty cathedral. We see these images in our mind and we say, that, you know, that's holy. That, that, they're separate. They're above us. Uh, you know, but in real life, I, I'm not, I can't go there. But often we reflect such attitudes in our own spiritual lives, believing that holiness of life will be marked primarily by private practices, by disengagement from other people. But Peter gives us a much different metric to measure our growth in holiness. We've seen it Already three times, but I want you to look now again to our two verses and we'll see how these things come together. Obedience from a purified heart, but then what is the fruit of that obedience? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for what? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Heart, since you have been born again by the imperishable and living and abiding Word of God. What is the result of a heart purified by the renewing power of God's Word? What does the text say? It says that our hearts are renewed for a sincere brotherly love. The true and most telling metric of holiness is growth in our love for one another. Love. Love is the true mark of holiness. And isn't this the united testimony of the Bible? For what did Jesus say the greatest commandment is? Is it not that we are to love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourselves? Is it not Jesus who said this new commandment I give to you? Love one another. Isn't it Paul who said, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Did not James say the same thing in his epistle? And John, did he not say, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know that we've been born again. We've gone from death to life. How? Because we love the brother. A growing love for God's people is how we are to measure our growth in holiness. We first defined holiness as a life lived out of a love for what God loves. And what does God love? God loves His people. God loves the church. For God loved His people even to the point of death, death on a cross. Listen to how Paul describes Christ's love for the church and how it should affect the way that we love the church. 
Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God. Be holy as God is holy, right? As beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. For Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Do you desire to be holy? Do you desire to be imitators of God, to show forth the family resemblance? Then love God's church. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is how you measure your growth in holiness. This is how we imitate God, loving God's people. I want you to realize that the people that you are with this morning, the people that are sitting in the pews next to you, are men and women whom the Lord set His love upon even before the foundation of the world. It is for these people that the Son of God poured out His blood that He might obtain them for His own possession. It is these people that God loved with such an intensity that He would give His only begotten Son. And it is these people that you have been united to through the bonds of baptism into one communion. I've heard people say, and I'm sure you have heard it as well, you know, I love God, but I can't stand the church. And I get that churches have failed and that people are not perfect. As a pastor, I get an inside view on how the church is not perfect. I know there's disappointment, there's betrayal, there's hurt, there's confusion. And I don't, I don't mean to, to make light of any of those things. Of course not. But Christian... How can you claim Christ and at the same time badmouth His bride? You talk that way about my bride, you can't come in my house. And I am sure that the rest of you men in here, that if someone spoke about your bride that way, that you would say the same thing. How can you say that you are seeking to follow Christ, that you're seeking to follow His path, when His path led to the cross that He might love His church? Listen to the words of John that we spoke this morning at the beginning of our worship service. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now what is His conclusion from that statement? What is the next thought that comes into His mind that the Holy Spirit inspired that the Apostle John would write on the heels of saying that true love is not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. What is the next thought? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Do you desire to grow in holiness? Then by the power of the gospel message of God's love for you in Christ, go forth in love for others. 
loving them the way that Christ loved you. Parents know that every time you take your child for their annual checkup, the nurse measures their height and their weight, and they enter this data into a program, checking it against last year's measurements and comparing it to national averages. Then you get your report that tells you how your child is doing in their growth and how they compare to other children their age. You know, and so you get, oh, little Johnny is... 95th percentile for weight, or Jenny is 10th percentile for height. And if something is off, then the doctor will recommend some change in their diet. Jenny might need to eat more and Johnny a little bit less. And yet, as we've said, in our Christian lives, we don't have these annual checkups. There are no charts that we can use to quantify if we're growing at a healthy rate. So it can become easy to use false indicators to measure our growth in Christ. Outward, hypocritical obedience. Private and isolated holiness. But the Word of God is teaching us this morning that the one true mark of holiness is love. Obedience to God's Word is love. Purity of heart is love. Holiness is marked by love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you now and we confess that we have not loved you. And we have not loved your church as we have been called to love. We pray, O God, that You would give us a heart that we might commit to love Your people. We pray, O God, that You would cleanse our minds and our thoughts. That our thoughts of the church would be turned towards love and building up. We pray, O God, that You would give us a love for Your church that we might give our time and our talents. That we might serve Your church in love. That we might pour our lives out even as Christ poured out His life for His church. We pray, O God, that You would give us mouths that would speak loving words about and to Your church. And that You would give us prayers that we would pray earnestly for Your people, loving them. We pray, Father, that we would go forth in this love and the power of Your Spirit. We pray this in Your holy name, Lord Jesus, who loved Your church. And gave yourself up for her. Amen.